Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and we answer. I'm here with my fearless friend, lit senior teacher and genius physical therapist, Kristen Williams. Hey, everybody. Hey, Laura. Hey, I always like to like shake up the way I introduce you. <laughs> I can never say <laughs> enough. My... I can never say enough. <laughs> I love it. All right. We're going to launch right in. This is from Malia Box-Steagle. She asks, why do you do handstands or something similar in nearly all of your posts? She was talking to me, but I thought it would be irrelevant to just talk about why in Lit Yoga, we do get on our hands so much. I don't think all my posts, I think I kind of stagger it. I don't want to put a lot of handstands on there, but I do want to show people that if you learn the foundations of movement and biomechanics that there is a lot of possibilities, including getting on your hands. And it's not just getting on your hands. It's all of the motor mapping in the brain, the biomechanical balancing, and then just the core you know, integration and then just the freaking repetition. So it's all of the elements of really good movement. You know, like most people can, if I ask them to go in a goddess squat, they can do it because we're used to being on our feet. Our hips can kind of you know, have some mobility. We know how to bend the knees. That's wonderful because uh, we can get, you know, we always want to keep the hips mobile. But how about like doing something different and how fabulous that is for your brain? How excited your brain gets when your brain neurons have been shown. The novelty sparks activity in the brain. It increases the connections that have a, and builds complexity. You know, it's not just that you want, you know, your neurons firing, but you, the dendrites, the the tail of the neuron, like you want these synapses to have complexity to them. 
that complexity happens when we challenge ourselves. When we and that could be like doing jigsaw puzzles. Um, we can do it physically, mentally, but like doing something like handstand, it is really so. That's one thing for brain mapping, for energy, for empowerment. And then there's no better way of getting into the entire region of the core, which really is from base of the pelvis to outer shoulders and and everything in between, than getting on your hands. You can be on your legs and your core can be kind of slacking because you've got a big bowl of the pelvis that can balance you pretty much regardless. We see that with people that have, you know, low tone and not a lot going on. But you get those people trying to balance on their hands, even in a, in a plank or a side plank or something. And it's really hard. It's almost impossible because all of a sudden, their core has to come into play. How, anything else you want to add with that? I mean, I could, we, I could yeah. talk about handstand, why we do it. And handstand, by the way, is not necessarily vertical. It's the process of getting more and more weight on your hands and having your body, especially your core, be able to stabilize you. Yeah, I agree with 1000% everything you said from that biomechanical or physical standpoint. I also, for me, there's a joy to it. I was just, I was literally just had a private right before this talking with um, someone about, you know, doing handstands and she is strong enough. It's not a strength issue. My husband is so strong, but he's still at the elusive handstand because it's, it is brain mapping to your point. And I was telling her what a handstand gives me that Unlike there's nothing else that does this. So my youngest daughter, she does this all-star cheerleading and it's very nerve wracking. I get very, when she's getting ready to perform or I'm waiting, my adrenaline starts pumping and there is nothing I want to do more than go into a handstand. I get this undescribable urge to handstand (laughs) at these competitions. I don't do it because I think people look at me like I'm freaking crazy. (laughs) But I feel like it's just that blood rush to the head. It's it's a release. There's a joy. It calms me down. It is so bizarre, Laura. I've never told you this, but I mean, it's just been so intense that I, at these, and it used to be like when we, before COVID, when we would be spending a lot of time waiting around between, you know, different teams going, I would be handstanding with all the girls because then it was like a fun challenge but it was still my way of calming myself down. And uh, I don't know what the physiological reason is for that other than the head rush and it gets my mind off of what's troubling me. Mm-hmm. But It's centering want- for sure. It's, like yeah. you can't be thinking about a lot of other things. Even if you've done it thousands of times, you're still, it just, it take, I always say it just like whoosh, pulls you in. And you just have like immediate, yeah, it's amazing. It pulls you into your core center. It pulls you into your mind center. It is, you're right. There's not many positions or activities in life that have that effect. There's nothing else. I don't want to go into warrior two. I don't want to, I want a handstand. It's crazy. (laughs) I get it. I get it. And and for me, I think it's, it's so fun. It's fun. And it's, yes, it's empowering. It's, it is, it is. You cannot focus on anything else. So. No. And I, I always say, yeah, it's joyful. And that's really... Mm-hmm. What, and playful. And, and also, it helps you work through your shit. Because, you know, we have this uh, very culturally influenced sense of... I don't want to say entitlement, but sense of things just coming as whenever we want them to. You know, that's just yeah. like... We, we have such, we're so distracted and we have such... We want just like 
quick fix, you mm-hmm. know, and to and to be like, sorry, this is going to take a while and it's yep. a process and you got to just keep coming back. I think it is an antidote to this addiction we have of uh, this kind of quick, you know, what is the call? What am I looking for? What delayed, gratif- quick gratification. Yeah. Yeah. This is a Instant delayed gratification. gratification. You have to really, some people could get right into it obviously if they've had some background, but a lot of it is like taking the steps. And I think it's such a great antidote for that. It's a great antidote for the busy mind, for the busy chitter chattery mind. You get on your hands. So it, it like in every, I think every system of the body, like you said, neurophysiologically, it really can, it's both energizing and calming because mm-hmm. it, it's setting you. It's just setting you, you know, it's just like set the jello, set it. And it's, you know, you're ready. Yeah, we could talk about handstands forever, but oh, there's them. a reason. And that is also to show that at 51 years old, I can do these. And we have to also get out of our head this idea that once we turn a certain age, it's just a downhill, you know, slide to, to death. You know, it's really, <laughs> we haven't been shown that often that you can continue to improve in so many ways in your mind as well. I mean, brain mapping, we've talked about that in other podcasts, like, it used to be thought you kind of learned everything. And after that, you were shit out of luck. It's like, no, the neuroplasticity of the brain is there. It's always there. And we can um, change it. We need to stay engaged. Yeah. And we have to believe that possibilities are there for, uh, for our brain and for our body. So I think there's a lot of reasons. But it's really because I've seen, again, teaching so many hundreds and hundreds of people how much it joy it brings to them. And yeah, we could talk about handstands forever. (laughs) Okay, next question. Um, Ingrid Hogard, I struggle with posterior tilt to the pelvis. Your yoga helps a lot, but my biggest problem is when I sleep, I sleep on my stomach and find my low back hurts. I don't think you have posterior tilt to pelvis then. Um, (laughs) If I keep my legs straight, it helps to bend one leg out to the side, but is there anything else I can do? Well, first of all, my gut would say, actually have somebody that really knows what they're talking about. Look at it. It's possible. There are people with posterior tilt, but I find a lot of people who think their posterior tilts are actually not. They're usually more kind of hyperextending in their hips and it can give it or, or you know, kind of give you like a flat back look because they're just kind of hanging out. So I'd say really check that out because I don't think that sleeping on your stomach with a posterior tilted pelvis is going to necessarily hurt your low back. I guess it could because uh, there could be some, I don't know, restrictions. Do you have any comment about that? But I would say first have somebody really look at you because I don't know. Yeah, I think you know if she feels posteriorly tilted or if she is limited in extension, then I could see sleeping on her belly would hurt just because you do get mm-hmm. forced into some lumbar extension when you're prone. Um, you know, I mm-hmm. think of like, it's really hard for elderly stenotic spine, you know, to go prone because they they can no longer extend. But is that from the pelvis? I don't know. Um, and that's why when she bends that knee up, it flexes her spine again. So she might not like that lumbar extension, whether it's because of the posterior tilt or a, or not. Um, so what was her question of, does she have any recommendations what, for? Yeah, she was saying it, the yoga has been helping, but what she's finding problematic is when she sleeps. Yeah. Now it seems like she says it helps, but she's saying, is there anything else I can do? 
which is she said it helps to be, oh, to bring the one knee up. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I mean, if she's... It, it, put a pillow underneath your belly. You know, I mean, yeah. that just it, you might have. I don't know how old you are, Ingrid. You know, you might have some some stenosis or some some arthritis in your back. Uh, it is not uncommon to get that to to where you don't extend well, and that isn't a position of comfort. So, you know, put a pillow under your belly, and that will just keep you a little bit more open and allow you to stay a bit more symmetrical than just pulling that one knee up. You know, belly lying is not something that we recommend as a regular, just because it does put you into that hyperextension of the back. Usually, you know, we want a more neutral spine, but I too, I love to sleep on my stomach, but I don't stay there long. That's, that's kind of my thought. You know, if she's really, that's the only thing she can get comfortable is just to try a pillow underneath her belly. Yeah, I would agree that, that, it sounds like you already are naturally doing the solution of of giving a little comfort by bending the knee, which helps in either any kind of position that feels sticky in the low back, just yeah. taking some of that, you know, pull off of it. Um, we've also talked about body pillows. If you can sleep on your side with a body pillow, that's great. Um, otherwise, put something underneath there. Okay, uh, let's see. Speaking on the other end, poses to avoid. This is Arthi Batajai, I think something like that. Sorry if I'm messing that up. Batache. Poses to avoid in lordosis or any adjustments we need to make. Thank you. So, mm. I mean, I'm guessing she's talking lumbar lordosis, you know. Yes. Uh, part, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so, I mean, if, if you're going to want to avoid those extending poses, camels, the fish pose, the, the low lunge with its, you know, sp- spilling. On Janeasana, yeah, spilling. And yeah. Um, you know, you I would really say even wanna... something like Warrior One, where we think like nothing much is, yep. you know, no big deal, but actually because of the fixed feet, um, and if you have some of that imbalance around the pelvis, it can increase the lordosis in your spine. So feel free to really widen your stance from left to right and shorten your stance from front to back, mm-hmm. uh, because that will uh, you want to feel that your pelvis can kind of like be suspended there and isn't getting pulled by your by uh, the tissue in the back body that's restricted. But I agree yeah. with Kristen, like anything that's extending the back, you want to try and uh, eliminate the, like you've already, if you're in Lord, if you have more lordosis, you want to try and make that spinal extension more symmetrical. So you're going to have to focus on the other areas because you're already in more extension there. Yep. Um, getting the pelvis neutral will help with that too. So I know like people in Cobra, that if they have an excessive lordotic curve, that can feel really crappy. And what you can do is just not really lift up much at all. Um, and in fact, think about lifting the abdominal wall up. Then over time, trying to lift and get, get more of a pullback instead of a press. So have someone that knows what they're doing, just kind of take you through some of those poses and, and also listen to your body. Like you would know, there's so many people, this is, I was talking about this to the teacher trainees. It's always astounding to me how, you know, we'll, they'll come into, we used to have the studio and we could do this in person and somebody would have been practicing somewhere else. They'll come and I'll say, oh, you know, actually we don't really recommend that you push into your hands for Cobra, for, for example. And they would say, oh yeah, that never felt good. And I'll be like, okay, well, <laughs> it's it, in other words, like yoga somehow has taken 
away sometimes, not for everybody, but it's like taken away this like agency that we should have, you know, that that we should know. Like if that doesn't feel good, maybe I shouldn't do it. So also start to really tune into your own body. That would be a big recommendation. I think it's years of crappy adjustments by other, you know, yoga teachers that push people into <laughs> yes. why. Anyway, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, somebody asked me now, I, we can answer this really quickly. Ilse Yoga, where can I get more information about your training? Kristen's on the training. I'm on the training. Um, you can go to lityoga.com and look up trainings. And there's a lot of information there. You can also always write me or Kristen. Lit. Laura at lityoga.com. Okay, let's see. It's floor.g. What stretch is good for my tired nape, the base of my skull? Is it stress-related? You want to take that one? Yeah. yeah, the base of your skull, there's a group of muscles back there called your suboccipitals um, that are can be really... Oh, they can be buggers. So when you get tightness in those muscles, they can give you tension headaches. So Flora, if you're... I think that was her name. If you're you know, mm-hmm. suffering from the headband or hood type of headaches, or even a, like a migraine type headache that can be on one side. That can be from some tension back there. That's what I think she was talking about was tension versus weakness or tiredness, fatigue. People will tell me a lot when they have that type of an issue, my head feels heavy, like they just can't even hold it up anymore. So for those people, I do love a lot of soft tissue. Laura, you have some great stuff on your um, Instagram using a block to just do some suboccipital scrubbing, almost taking the edge of the block and just, you know, really working those muscles, but come back to your posture, you know, look at what you're doing, you know, that is causing the head to be forward and maybe the upper back to be rounded because those muscles get shortened and then they become at a disadvantage. So then they, they fatigue easily because they're in a shortened position. So they're not as strong. Uh, And then you also end up overusing other accessory muscles in the body. So trying to get that triple S back where you're bringing the ears back over the shoulders, the back of the scap- skull in line with the scapula, in line with the sacrum. You can even look down at your pelvis. If you can correct that, uh, which does not happen overnight, if you have some adaptive shortening back there, it can take a long time to, to not only restore that mobility, but also retrain you from getting out of that is work. But you are not alone. Um, a lot of deep cervical flexor strengthening, so you can lie on your back and lift your head up and try to look at your belly button and hold that for 10 seconds and then lower your head slowly, trying to keep your gaze at your belly button. You're going to be working the heck out of those deep cervical flexors, but also getting a dynamic stretch or lengthening of your suboccipitals, which is beautiful. You might get a headache when you do that because those muscles are going, what? But trust the process that the, as you do it, as you strengthen the deep cervical flexor, you're going to release those suboccipitals back there and just take some of the stress awesome off of them. They are probably really at a disadvantage from your posture, if I had to guess. Yeah, this, uh, uh, that's exactly what I would say. And I love what Kristen said. Really listen to that. You, and this is, this is true with any postural correction, it actually might feel a little bit worse because you are you're op- like you're trying to kind of pry open some really restricted tissue and it has been like that for a while that's why it's called an adaptive you know um, response you, you, it's adapted to that shortened position um, and with the neck in particular 
I would also add to what Kristen said is really what you watch your posture and what you're doing during the day. So right now I'm doing a Zoom with Kristen. She, I have my computer up on a really simple, cheap little thing. I can adjust the height. So I'm looking eyes right to the screen. Even looking down a little bit is going to not only flex your neck, which is in itself not bad, like cut your vegetables, all that. The big issue comes with the protrusion, the, the sliding of the skull forward, which tends to accompany that. So um, really set yourself up for success. And yeah, and like Kristen said, take some breaks. Um, I love the stuff on, that I've shown on Instagram that, that it's helped me and, and so many of my, my clients. Just a simple block. Just put it under your skull and rock a little side to side. You'll you'll be surprised. Maybe you'll hear some crickling and crackling, and but just a little bit of that is such a relief for that area. Yeah, it's really that nape area you're talking about. It's just a very thickened tendon. I mean, that's just not you know equipped to hold this big old head of us <laughs> off off center. So we're putting a lot of strain on it. All right, last question because actually several people ask about goddess pose. This is uh, Alisa Heya. How to help someone modify goddess pose when they can't tuck their tailbone? I'm assuming that what you're talking about is they're really tipping forward in anterior tilt. And so you're trying to have them tuck their tailbone, like drawing it down to get some posterior tilt. For one, I would really look at where what their feet are doing because their feet are you know loaded, fixed um, on the floor, and it's going to restrain the the if their hips are not mobile and the feet are then locked, the, it'll go into the knees and the pelvis will tip according to all that. So I would first like really you know say, hey, can you bring your feet parallel, lift your toes? And just turn from your hips and see where your toes land. And for a lot of people, that won't be very far. And then really try and create, I think, less about, I mean, I like the tailbone idea, but really trying to get up in that hip joint space, like get some space in there. And that will offer the pelvis a little more freedom to maybe get that tailbone kind of more neutral. Do you have any other thoughts to that? That, That's actually, I think, it's a common cue that people give in goddess to wrap the tailbone under, which is really not what we want. To your point, Laura, it, we it need hurts. to look at what's happening. It, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because most likely... Because your feet are fi- they fixed. Are, yeah. Their feet yeah. are fixed and they're too turned out in their hips. So the femur, you know, you, it can't, you can't wrap under because then you're going to dip in the knees. So adjust the nine times out of 10, if they are anteriorly tilted, it's because they don't have the external rotation of the hip that they tilt and flex in the hips to get the hips, quote unquote, open. So adjust the feet, adjust the angle of the, the opening of the hip and allow them to come to a neutral. And it should not look tucked under. I see it a lot in chair pose and in goddess are the two areas that people overcorrect and they go into a flat back or a posterior tilt almost. They they take away their lumbar lordosis because they have heard that cue over and over again when it's a lot of times there's some something at their hips, you know, that is just it's the way they were born. To your point, go to what you have and it's going to be it's going to look different across the room that so 
if someone is over, if they can't tilt under, it's because they're too far forward, adjust those feet and don't think of it as tilting under. They want to have a lordosis in their spine, which is a gentle curve. It's not a spilling of the, the pelvis should be upright. You know, the pelvis should be that magic bowl should not be spilling. It should be set upright. And then the lumbar spine curves out of that. So really look at the hips and the feet. Yeah. I love that. And this just brings up again, like why I feel like our teaching is really, obviously we're physical therapists, but we really choose our language very carefully. So I don't think, I don't think you ever say, or I ever say tuck the tailbone. I can't, I can't remember ever saying that. And um, I, you know, I remember when I was first creating the, my teacher training 10 years ago, when I came up with the first manual, people would be like, can you do, can you show the poses and then write down like all of the cueing? And I said, no, <laughs> because what it's going to look like in me is going to look different for, and I think that's the problem is I know it was there to have like this kind of ingredient deck, but it it can also work against you because people have really gotten these kind of rote cues memorized, like warrior two, your knee has to be 90 degrees and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, that practically nobody could do that well. Yeah. You know, and it's it's so I think it just um brings up the the kind of invitation to not have like hard and fast rules, but really to be taught by people who understand the body that can have the ability to teach a lot of different ways people can move. I think that's the beauty of the yoga teacher training for lit is we are teaching people how to be observers. So you don't have to be a physical therapist, but you need to observe and look. Okay, so to her point, that person can't tuck their tailbone under. Why? Ask why. And look somewhere else and you're going to find the answer. So like for goddess, my big thing is if we're doing a squat pulse, if, if your knees can track over your feet, your pelvis is usually, your pelvis and your hips are usually in a pretty good position uh, with a pulse, with a lifting up and down because your mm-hmm. pelvis has to be neutral for that, that femur to move. But to your, that's you know what I love about the teacher training is we're teaching people to observe and not be wrote with their cues. Now, sometimes I'm wrote with my cues, especially over Zoom when I'm not, but you know, in the, in the studio, I'm looking and I'm cueing based on what I'm seeing. So, mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. Well, we're wrote with our cues with the things that are going to be universal, yes. you know, like in low lunge, this is what we're having. But it's not like every little thing, you, you know, you have like these cookie cutter things. So yeah. left foot is like this, right foot's like that. It's like, no, what's happening in the pelvis? Go there first and you know, a lot, lot uh, is taken care of from there. <laughs> yeah, or I'll even say, like, if 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 you're in a half moon and you can't quote unquote stack the, the pelvis, well, it's because you don't have enough rotation in your hips. That doesn't mean you have less than. It just means your body is different than the quote unquote normal half moon. So just freaking adjust it, turn that bottom foot in, yeah. and you can, yeah. you know, really change the game. And you know, your practice is like, oh. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's adaptable. Adaptable. I love it. Well, thank you as always, my dear. That was so fun. So fun. I love it. I love it. And we are pulling for you. Thank you for listening. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 